Welcome to episode 100 and jam it. I'm here 116 of the Corey Shepherd podcast. Welcome back to all the people who've been listening. Welcome to all the new listeners. Thank you for tuning in. Thanks for the one or two people who follow me to take me to 199 YouTube subscribers. I'm hoping somebody can help me get to 200. Please don't let me get to 200 episodes before I have 200 subscribers. And don't forget, my son tell me to make sure and tell people that are on TikTok. TikTok is difficult. I mean, I don't go and cut video clips every time, but I'm trying to be better at that and cut clips. Let me start by apologizing to the people on YouTube. <laughs> I have the episode up on audio only last week. This is the first time in a long time. I had some troubles. Salute my boy Naldo from the 868, App 868 podcast, who's always helping with the camera thing. But the camera's out of focus bad. I was feeling bad to put up that big blurry video. It blurry like hell, but I'll put it up still, because I really forget that they have some people who only watch on youtube and who do download the podcast app so by the time you're hearing this you probably are two to catch up on last week episode and this week episode so all you feeling everybody good everybody had a good week we had a good weekend and so on september is over look at that we were just talking about back to school and now we are at the start of october i see somebody post we in the final quarter of the year so whether it's your bonus you're going for your fitness goals whatever is your target for this last quarter of the year, we're making it count. You know what I mean? We're making it count. We're going to this thing hard, wherever it be. And I hear what you're wishing your best for it to happen. But what also happens in the final quarter, if you're listening to this podcast long enough, you're supposed to know that as the final quarter kicking, it has certain things that we had to do. So let me do it now. Now to only play, I can't do it yet. No, I can't do it yet. I lying there. I usually switch at some point in this podcast and stop playing calypsos and soca and move on to parang and soca, parang music and music dedicated specifically to the season. 
I can't fully switch over to Christmas mode yet because it has some things. I, I, I might have to walk back my um my song take from last week. I try my best every week from now till Carnival to at least review one song. When new songs come out, you're going to get a reaction to the new song and deal with that new song. And Oli will tell me if this song good or not. As a matter of fact, I go tell Oli if this song good or not, right? <laughs> and a couple of weeks ago, I came here and told Oli 47 rhythm. <laughs> With Bravo, right? <laughs> and I just want to remind you that your bam bam looking pregnant, you're shaking it like you're ignorant, right? <laughs> and I say, and listen, I laugh because it's one of the funniest things I ever hear. Again, salute to Iowa George, my favorite soca artist, one of the greatest soca artists of all time, Mr. Al Murray. I want to make that very, very clear. There's nobody. You see, it's a mashup fit, right? With all due respect to people like, Super Blue, Ronnie McIntosh, Marshall Montano, uh, Bungie Garland, Fair and Lines. There are some people who is really fat destroyers eh, who is come out and mash up fat. But I, I, don't, I, don't, I hope I ain't forget nobody off that list. Only go remember, but I never see nobody do what I always do, you know. I always come out there with very little effort, with songs that everybody says is the worst song they ever hear. You know my time in over Iowa career, I hear people say, He's singing this, he's singing that, and they want to take on Hana na 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 And that same Hana na now is one of Iowa's biggest songs of all time. Because Iowa is the king of efficiency. We read our budget last week, right? There are some people I will get to just now who are trying to talk about sacrifice and doing a lot with a little, right? That is what they're trying to say. But if that is the case, they should make Neil Iowa George the Minister of Finance because nobody in this country in soca music know how to do a lot with a little. Like Iowa George. Iowa George was never no man who we could say had the most set of lyrics. Sometimes he used one word for a whole chorus. <laughs> he do a lot with a little and he destroy more than plenty of a man who's singing line after line after line in fit. I want you to go and watch any Iowa performance on YouTube. <laughs> and take in the fact that Iowa do do a whole lot of whining. No set of jumping and waving. As a matter of fact, he make a dance named the Iowa. To just show you how little effort he could just do that Iowa and destroy any fed. So salute to Iowa George. I want to make that clear. I don't want to know there will be no Iowa George slander allowed here. Iowa George is the king who he is. And while I might sit here and laugh at Bam Bam looking pregnant, you're shaking it like you're ignorant. You know what make me laugh about that too? Pregnant and ignorant. Them two things don't kind of rhyme already. <laughs> like, why change it to pregnant and ignorant? But who is me? I can't say nothing more than Iowa lyrics and them kind of thing. He know what to do with song. And I myself, over the course of the week, I find like I find myself in my quiet moments. Somehow going back to Champion Bam Bam. You of the Champion Bam Bam, baby. A champion, this song catchy, this song bad. <laughs> After all, I laugh, I laugh, so I had to walk that back. And then with all the thing, I hear a little piece of champion rhythm from Be The Man. And I, I don't want to be taking nothing from no soca artists. Well, let's say I'm taking dancehall artists and now I say anything good, but I laugh when the soca artists play. But taking this Be The Man on the 47 rhythm real quick. Something, hey. girl, nothing ain't the same. Hey. Never mind, forget your fate. Hey. But I true them, know your name. Hey. Girl, 
take back everything I say. Salute the 47 rhythm. <laughs> you see why I can't follow Trinidad? And this is why I don't follow Trinidad. The 47 rhythm, very, very bad. But that is not my song review for this week. I'm going to do a song review every week. And I will make up my mind sometime soon whether I'm going to do between now and Christmas, just stick to Christmas songs or switch it up between Christmas and um, regular soccer because I really wanted, if one of my main goals when I started this podcast was to focus on the music. I still do it and most of the time during the year, my main focus is on Kaiso and Calypso and trying to make the link between Calypso and what we play today and, and, and the things that are going on in the country right now. You know what I mean? I always trying to see how I could make that link. But a big part of why I get, uh, call it stuck in the older days of Kaiso and Calypso and them kind of thing. Even Stacey's tell me sometimes he had to play more popular songs like what people know. A part of the reason was this podcast started during COVID. It had no sudden new music release. And so I'm happy to be in a space now where plenty new music coming out all the time. So I will take at least one song every week and we go review it. I don't want to do them long time thing like what they used to do on the radio and say, um, Pump it or dump it on them thing. It's not that this nobody is. It's for me to pick out some new songs that I like and I find could work. Now, one of the men who appear on this podcast is a master at the art by the name of Mr. Shaq. Salute to Mr. Shaq all the time, right? Mr. The, oh, he appeared on this podcast, and I gotta tell you this, right? Out of all the people I ever messaged to come on the podcast, the man never asked me, well, how much people is listen, which part of this publish it, who else are this thing, send him no questions. When I asked him to come on the podcast, all the man says yes. And he come to the point where he was helping me structure the episode and how we would do it. The episode might have been published for about two hours. Go back and look for it and take it in. One of the best interviews I have on the podcast. And it was about two hours. Me and him talked for about four hours. And we could have keep on talking as well. I feel bad in the end. I say, oh God, I keep the man on the phone for so long talking about this thing. So it's only right that since we're reviewing songs, I see Mr. Shaq bring out a song for the Christmas. So where, but what better place to start? If 100 done start 100 days of Christmas already, we could start with 100 days of Christmas here too. You know what I mean? And I see this, sh- but when I see this song, they say it's um, uh, Cubanita Christmas. And I hear this song as some Maria. When I hear Maria, right? You have to remember that plenty Parang songs. This have Maria. Maria, Maria, Maria. It's, it's, it's a popular thing in the Christmas. But I know Mr. Shaq is a lyrical genius. So I tell myself, well, he can't be coming right. You know what I mean? Let me, let me hear what Mr. Shaq had to say about Maria. So let me take this in. Cubanita ne Maria oh Met her in my hometown Siparia uh-huh. Watch me just so and say Tu vibra me gusta what? I love you much beats Rapi Rasta hey. You see Maria wanna nice up me Christmas Maria wanna see stuff yes, Christmas I like it. Maria wanna For Christmas Maria wanna Boyo Shaki easy <laughs> I say it's a Maria. <laughs> the Maria have a little extra. <laughs> the Maria like it have a little extra in it. <laughs> Mr. Shaq, let me play the Mr. Shaq. I ain't playing along. I don't know what it's a Cubanita Christmas. Spanish time rhythm. I didn't get the rhythm wrong already. Salute Trevor. Trevor G upright. <laughs> the Cubanita Christmas. Let me hear what this thing's sounding like, boy. Hey, yo. Don't play all the 
Spanish, yeah. Thing wrong Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> that is time to get your boy in problems. Yes. Let me explain. Story time. Pretty Cuban, Italy, Maria. Met her in my hometown, Siparia. Watch me just so and say. Tu vibra me gusta. I love your vibes, you big star. She says she's spending Christmas here in Trinbago. She alone in a big house in Palo Seco. Hey, Shaq, we might need a little marijuana for Christmas if we really get settled on this 4%. <laughs> Salute to Mr. Shaq. A winner for me every time. You know what I mean? Rasta Parandere, I can't go wrong. Hey, let me get into the people news. <laughs> I didn't expect that to take the left, I take the just now, right? So, the budget is the budget. <laughs> and coming off of the budget, of course, you have a response from the opposition leader, as well as the people in power trying to defend the budget like it's a good budget. Now, this this, this is always a comical week, historically, in Trinidad and Tobago, because no matter what was said in the budget, even if the people who in parliament now wasn't listening, they never read it, there was no part of contributing to it, them themselves, when the budget read, find out how much their ministry gained, them didn't know, you know, them find out how much the ministry gained while they was watching it on TV with me and you. But... When you put a mic in front of them, they are going to defend what it is the boss say. That is what politics... Unless it's Farley and Watson, right? Where we don't really defend what the boss say. We just do whatever we want in these streets, right? But most of the time, these people just told the political line. So they may hear what the man say. They may listen to that whole set of long talk. Just like we. <laughs> and when people respond to it, they come out with it. So let me, let me start with Kamala's response, right? Because we spent a good bit of time last week getting into the budget. And... It's only fair that we hear what the, the leader of the opposition, the other part of our government, had to say, right? So this is from the Newsday by Clint Chantak. Um, what Clint say here? Opposition leader Kamala Pasad Bissessa claimed that the Prime Minister's bitterness has blinded him to the plight of the poor and the working class people in Trinidad and Tobago. My God. She made this claim in a statement on Saturday in response to comments made by Dr. Rowley at a PNM meeting in Mount Hope on Friday. Bissessa also demanded that the government withdraw the budget immediately. I like that. <laughs> she she listened neither. You know. But whatever he say, withdraw it immediately. After describing the 2022-2023 budget as an evil attack on the poor and working class, Bissad Bissessa said, not content with this act of evil perpetrated on the population on Monday, Keith Rowley last night chose to spew bitterness, hate, and behave like a man totally out of control. 
She claimed that Rowley spent two hours at that meeting insulting many people, including her. I asked Keith Rowley to stop being bitter, insulting and hateful to anyone who has a different opinion, view or idea from his own. Last night, he appeared completely blinded to the reality, sound familiar, of the suffering poor and working class. Possibly, as I said, the behavior which Rowley displayed was beneath the dignity of the officer, the Prime Minister. She believed Rowley was unhappy with himself <laughs> and is just taking it out on other people, including her. I hold no personal animosity towards him. <laughs> Let me repeat that. I hold no personal animosity towards him. However, he is no extraordinary citizen and the results of his behavior are having a destructive or having destructive effects on the livelihoods of many citizens. Posadbi Sessa appealed to Rowley and the government to be better instead of bitter. <laughs> I like that. But I should you see I want all the yellow juice, you know, I should have printed down my juicy. I would have thought of that, you know what I mean? That'd be better instead of being bitter. Towards the poor and working class. Rowley said Posad Rowley said Posad Bissessor's budget response in Parliament on Friday was one of the worst performances he had seen in a debate. He reminded the audience of her deals, of deals her People's Partnership Administration had made with energy firms, which he and his government had to renegotiate. Now, one thing I will say, right, is that I think it would behoove the Prime Minister, the Honorable Right, Dr. Keith Anthony Christopher Rowley. Where's his middle name? Keith Christopher Rowley. He's Anthony in the... It would behoove him, it would be in his best interest to stop mentioning what happened before 2015 in this country. Right? I see Faris and, um, <laughs> Faris and, what's my boy named Fazir Mohammed having it out on, on, that can't be morning edition. What show Fazir is do now? Two of them having it out, and Fazir, uh, sorry, Faris was saying, Fazir, you could ignore if you want the mismanagement and what we met in office and all these things, but we are here to manage the country and so on. Dude, that is why people vote for you. We have a democracy, right? And you get a mandate. People did not like enough of what they see between 2010 and 2015 to vote the people who was there back in power. The people came out and said, well, all right, here we're going on. We don't like what happened here. We don't like this. We put in you. You in charge now. You carry us in a better direction. You understand? <laughs> and somehow, the people in this government, the people who are in power, the PNM people who are in power, are talking about from minister to Facebook supporter to Instagram commenter. The people in the PNM seem to always want to remind us of what was happening under the UNC before. We didn't want that. We didn't want no part of that. We put them on the sideline. We put you. You know... Come like it has some kind of man. I'm talking to women now, right? Only the woman. If, you, if you're a man, skip the next 10 minutes or so. You're also with a man, right? <laughs> and you and the man going down good. And you're liking the man and you're looking for a future with the man. And, but every time you and the man talk, the man bringing up your ex. <laughs> he say, but, but the last man used to... And he, and he, and he, the man wearing Kenshi shirt... People here are a man. I'm telling you, between me and all you, right? People here, the man that was with before me, the man used to wear Kenshi shirt and shiny jeans as a rule every day. His only Kenshi shirt. Remember Kenshi shirt? The Kenshi shirt and them see through. Every day the man wearing Kenshi shirt. People get through in life when they meet me, you know, it's a big, big upgrade they get. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? But you also have somebody who, they only want to remind you about your ex and remind you about what she used to do. Listen to what you know. Me and you together. I hear, I leave here to come with you. What is he talking about? He's still for. And I think that's the point Fazir was trying to make. So what Faris Arari was responding to Fazir to say, it's valid. All right, you come there and let, let, let's assume that is true. 
that you meet an empty treasury, you meet bad deals that you had to renegotiate. All those things happen, right? We didn't like all that and we put you there. What is the value in continuing to remind us of that? As Fuzzy Muhammad rightfully said, all you did for the last seven years, you went for five. You do, we, we come and we tell you collectively, we say, we like what you're doing. We go in with you again. We do, yeah, now we sold over them back. We put in you there a second time. And you still remind me, all right, okay. You book the trip, okay, well, we get this story. We, we, we cool now. We enter, as I say in the beginning of the podcast, we enter the third, the final quarter of this year. Let me make a resolution now. Now let me start planning for the resolutions to say that from now on we're not going and talk about what we come and meet because we in power now and we're fixing what needs to be fixed. But the easiest defense for the PNM seems to be that UNC was worse, and it's, it's, it's reflective of how we vote and what we do. You know, rather I'd say how we vote is not how we party. <laughs> But I don't know, you know, I feel how we vote is just how we party. Not the racism part and the division part. But once it have a party, we go in. And if it's a two-party, wherever is the better one, we go in. It, it, we, we, do, we, we just want to make sure we in the Fed. We want to make sure we in the game. And it's the same thing between PNM and UNC. A couple of weeks ago, up to a couple of weeks ago, we tell ourselves we have a, a genuine alternative in the PDP. I see... um. Philip Alexander, well, I saw about Philip Alexander. He's still making waves and so I hear his uh, post-budget commentary. The thing about uh, it would be nice if I could play some clips from Philip, right? But number one, there's be long. Like, like he ain't joined TikTok yet. and make some short clip. And then sometimes he's just go off, you know what I mean? He's, 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 if he ain't cussing, he's angry. And sometimes it'd be a lot to pull out his clips. But he seemed to be able to appeal to people in a different way. Watson up to a point was able to, to, to appeal to people and... When, when you hear the Kamala versus Rowley thing, I, I hope that both of them can understand that neither of them no song good, neither of them no song appealing. Neither of them, so, they neither of them song like somebody you want to say, yes, I want to put my faith and follow your lead. You know what I mean? I, I was watching a clip recently of Mia Motley. And I ain't sure if all this CD clip, right? But she was in a what looked like a town meeting to me. And basically addressing... Somebody addressing the concerns of the community, which we tend to see more around election times. You know, when is ele- when election coming, people will tend to do a little tongue meeting and so on. It makes sense. And in that tongue meeting, she was talking. She, it started off very, very serious. And I was thinking to myself, hey, they actually have a clip of me again, some licks of the um, indie politics that going viral. Because she was saying that we came to discuss this and this is not why we're here. And if we come to discuss the problems and I am unaware, explain the problem to me. And a man who is 60 years old, who two of them seem to know one another, Barbados Small. He basically saying that, he, he, he started by saying, I have a woman. And my outside woman, they sell corn soup. <laughs> so the issue was, they moved the vendors. And he apparently, man, outside woman was a corn soup vendor of 21 years old or 22 years old. He's 60. Proudly saying he's 60 and 61. And you know what I found was, in that, in that moment, what I found, and what you tend to find when you look at Mia Motley. People, I talk about her here all the time, eh? and people always tell me, well, her leadership, this and her. But uh, I want to isolate her disposition and show you the difference between her and the rollers. It starts off serious. The man make a joke. She make back a joke and she say, and she laugh and she say, what? What you said? Repeat that for me again. The man say, I have a 21-year-old, my outside woman is selling corn soup. She says, that your way of saying yes? And you know, she, she seems to be able to just relate to people 
like if she's still a person while in 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 our government it seems as though we have a leader and 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 a few more now because boy listen if you're a leader your flock going and start to be like you i i get where you're once you're in charge the flock will start to walk or use or you ever see ducks <laughs> when they say ducks in a row them little duckling growing up to be that duck. They walking and waddling just like they following in a row. And it's the same thing happening because Faris as minister of local government vex. Man talking about road and thing to, to, to the point. And, and not, not vex he talking about road, but vex when he bringing back. He, he trying to shut down the idea of what, what we had come and we met. And well, all right, you came and you met that we understand that we established that. We had seven years of saying that. Let me see if we could change that now. But but and, and and the way the, the prime minister now is talked down, I mean, them song like they're angry, like they're vexed. We have a minister of sport now who <laughs> I don't know. The woman says she was misquoted, right? This sham for Kujo. Her statement was basically based around being uh people making sacrifices, but the woman say, Oh, you call you call you misquote her, or you cherry picking what she wants to put. And again, the same thing. You're under pressure, yes, and you're feeling misquoted and so on. But I remember that the reporter who was talking to you as a person, you see this notion that anytime you're in a position and you start to pick up the stance that everybody against you, so you, you will always be on the defense. I don't know if it's the right thing. In that little exchange, I think Mia Motley teaching us something about just humanity and being a person and being like normal. That why are you surprised that people are unhappy that the price of gas going up? People will be happy if the price of anything goes up. It's not personal. It's not a we hate you or we dislike you. If I go in the grocery tomorrow and them jack up the price of some item, I I, say, I, I don't like that. I, it means I could buy less with my money. That's such a simple thing. And I, I always maintain that the people who are in parliament, the people who make these positions, like Shamfa Kajo, like Faris Alrawi, like my guy, Mr. Keith Scotland. Rowley, Kamala, these are learned people, some of the brightest people in the country. I don't care what nobody say. These are the best and brightest in the country. They're among the best and brightest in the country. So it's not that they don't understand or they carry late or it's a certain amount of hubris, yes. But I, in my opinion, I think they simply, we think that they're there for governance. We think that they're there to make our lives better and to make the country a better place. But I do not think they're there to make the country a better place at all. I think that people who go for these positions looking to sort out themselves and sort out themselves for generations so that they're, they're smooth when they leave power. So I'll call some names. Like when you hear names like Halaran and back in the day, you used to hear these names. When they leave power, they make their children and think them children and them wealthy for generations and everybody don't forget whatever scandal it was they went through. And while we still fighting up with the, when the, when the price of gas increase, I facing a decrease in my lifestyle. I had to cut back somewhere to make this gas. They not they don't have these types of issues. Now I remember talking to my boy JP. Salute my boy JP, right? Uh, one of the one of, again, one of the best and brightest I know. And we were looking, this was early in the reign of the PNM, right? And they had released, I guess it's something to do with the opposition, talking about the kind of cars people buying. I believe Colman Bert had bought a Mustang at the time. I, I, I hope I write about that. I think he was the one who bought a Mustang. And it was early while they was in power, right? You know, they have the duty free or the concession free. Ask David Lee about that, right? And I remember seeing the list of cars that people bought floating around. I don't know if it's an official list or not, eh? But I know the Mustang with Colmos there, and he apparently is driving a Mustang for real, or has a Mustang. And I remember looking at Shamfa Kajo. 
and seeing a Kia Sportage. <laughs> I don't know why this stuck out to me so much, but I remember seeing a Kia Sportage. It is not the norm to see a politician or a sitting MP drive a car like that. You you try to tell me what kind of cars they drive. If you had to call the brand names of people who are in charge of the country, you tell me what kind of cars they usually drive. I tell me about Vass and Barrett. Or rollers, or you know, any anybody, any name you call, whoever was in power, tell them what kind of cars they typically drive. So I saw Kia Sportage, and I was telling my boy JP, I said, one, this is only because she now in power, you know. She 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 now reach. So she 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 dealing with what she could deal with because she now reaching. And I was telling them, I guarantee you, if they print this list five years from now, you're going to see European luxury on that list. Now, I don't know what Shampa could do driving now, eh? But I would love for somebody who know to tell me. And let me know if it's still that same key of sportage, right? Because these people coming and talking about sacrificing. And, and you know, in fairness to her, I want to be very, very fair here. In fairness to her, she's right. I think uh, Brian Manning is also right when he says subsidies shouldn't be on premium, uh, premium gas. I have a, a take on subsidies I will get to eventually. So it's not that what they're saying wrong necessarily. In different times, we could, we need to learn to sacrifice. If your income, due to no fault of the government, was to decrease, you will find ways to adjust your spending and your consumption to suit your income. All of us do it all the time. We don't like doing it, but we do it. So the fact that the national income has reduced without any increase in production or productivity, I, I, I don't know where it is, is expected that consumption in the country will reduce. Now, I will say that I believe that some decisions that are typically lauded in this country are the very decisions that got us to this point in the first place because the idea that when you have money, you just hand it out is a poorly thought out idea and it will always lead you to this point. Think about you and your household and your children, right? I can't remember which one of the ministers was saying running a country is not like running a company, which is true because in a company, if your income falls drastically, you are going to cut staff. You will pay your severance, whatever it is you have to do. You do it the right way, but you're going to cut back. You're going to cut back on expenses. You're going to, but the government can't necessarily do that. If the government say, all right, half the public servants are to go home, we have a different problem on our hands here. That's not, that not going to happen, right? They can't do it. They can't adjust the way a company would adjust. And even to go further to say, even a small company could adjust faster than a very big corporation. They might have more issues because there's plenty backlash. A lot more people will be affected. It's taxpayers' dollars. So the idea of our, uh, going back to a family, just as a parallel, not to say that the government is like running a business or a family, but think about this. If you get a windfall, your employer say, boy, you're doing such a good job, you get bonuses and stuff, and you start to take from the bonus now, and you are children, right? Let's say all your children under 18, and you start putting loud money in the children, and you say, well, all right, you will have 5,000, you will have 5,000, everybody getting money, you know what I mean? Every month you come... What do you think is going to happen to that 5,000? When you get that 5,000 all the time, it's at first it is a surprise and you think, and you, but eventually you become dependent on that same 5,000 and eventually that 5,000 will not be enough and you could be looking for 7, 8, 10, 15, whatever it might be. Consider what will happen now if your income is cut. In, if your income is cut, you have a bigger problem on your hands now because you cannot give them that 5,000 and now you have the unhappiest set of children it might have. Take that parallel on a national level. And this is my criticism. The idea 
that when you're making plenty of money is to get out. <laughs> get just get handouts willy-nilly, card blush. Everybody get, everybody come. You know what I mean? We're making money, everybody come. It sets the wrong tone and it makes it difficult for when the difficult time come and eco- the economies are cycle. It have its booms, it have its ebbs and flows. I just call it booms and slumps. A recession, depression, recovery, whatever they call it, right? So let me go back to Shamfo here. Right? I'm, gonna, I'm gonna take these people one at a time. I'm gonna start to Shamfo. Never know what Titan could be so nice. Minister Sport Shamfo Kujus has said that while the media can pick all they want and create stories they want, from her words, she is standing by the comments for which she is currently receiving backlash. At the opening of the Takarigo Community Center on Wednesday, Kujo said that the government makes difficult decisions sometimes, but they will benefit the younger generations. We sit here healthy and strong, looking good, well-fed, because somebody else had to sacrifice so that we can have now. So then why is it so hard for us now to sacrifice for the young children who are coming up? She added, there's a, not a, there's a lot of negative rhetoric out there. Always a bad budget. Oh, we have to we have to walk now. Or walk, like protest. I saw, um, who was protesting last week? Uh, Abu Bakr. Which one of them it is? Who's the footballer and who's the politician? Rodan, for whichever one is the politician, had led a protest last week. And they had some people come out and stuff and make the walk and thing. I expected that. When you compare the standard of living in TNT and the kind of support offered to us as Trinbagonians, you can compare it to what's happening in Barbados, what's happening in Jamaica, chalk and cheese. Again, while the, the idea that we have to sacrifice for future generations, the unsolid footed. From the time you started telling me, compare our standard of living to Trinidad and Jamaica and Barbados, I, I, I don't see the use in that. It's almost like telling me, I hungry, but all the neighbors and them hungry. So it's not hungry. <laughs> what are you telling me about the neighbors and things for? It's also not a. I try to talk to my son, and at all the every time I hear him talk, I say, "Boy, do watch what people have. You focus on your thing. Be grateful for what you have. Take care of your stuff." I tell him this all the time because I don't want him to get into that habit of comparing. Comparing is a dangerous game for your self esteem. Because one day you'll be feeling good. You, you know, you're, you're looking good. You find your gap, you're looking nice. But somebody looking nicer than you, especially in this day and age where these youths dealing with a different level of depression and issues and a suicidal youth. Sorry, to trigger warning. I'm supposed to say that. Because they live in this life where everything being compared to what's just happening on Instagram. So I seen a, I seen a story going wrong on Instagram the other day about oh, Instagram hot girl. In, in all the sales palace and they bond down the place next to you know, the racial price and the custom. You see, for me, time you start a bond down place and only doing rituals and so on, you scratch off my list, me and nothing to say about none of them kind of thing. But again, when you're watching in the foreground on Instagram, on TikTok, and in these places, what somebody's lifestyle is, when you've seen a highlight reel of their life, not knowing this heavy burning down of palaces going on in the background, you don't know. So I tell my son all the time, don't compare yourself to nobody, brother. Do your best. Compare yourself to your own results. If you went to, went to karate and you do this today, try and improve on that tomorrow. And I try to drill that in my own brain too, eh? because I'm not, I'm not saying anything here to... As a, as a, to say that I perfect at it or anything like that. I try and just like everybody else. But why would we compare our standard of living to Barbie? It does not matter. It's inconsequential. What we compare in our standard of living to is where we were yesterday. If I compare and I have a new trainer in the gym. <laughs> the man will militant, I'll tell you. I'm going to do my best. And the man sent my, um, the man sent my meal sheet just before I started recording here. 
The man say it a half dozen egg white <laughs> before coming to the gym. I ain't no longer go make. And this man tried to half kill me. My mama Achilles now recovering. And like my heart, my heart, my cardiovascular system, like it now recovering too because this this this, this man trying to kill me. Salute me, salute my boy Dave. But a big part of what his training is, and you know, I like him. He's not, he's, he's more than just a trainer. He seemed to be an accountability coach, which I know, I know, <laughs> because he keeps you accountably messaging you to find out where you eat and if you do your next workout for the day and if you do any riding and how it goes. You're on the ball, you're on the game. <laughs> I might have a run, you know what I mean? But a big part of what he helping me do is to track what happened week to week. So he said, well, all right, last week he was able to do the stair climber. He's, he, he, he was measuring my, my breathing. Like he said, if you're completely out of breath and you had to stop, that's a 10. He said, we want to be at a 9 in them cardio sessions where you're struggling, but you, but, you, but you could finish the time. And I think the maximum I could have done on that stair climber at 9 was about 2 or 3 minutes. And he said, right, so next week we want to see if we could get from 3 to 4 minutes. Because that's how you just compare your little progress, you know what I mean? You want, you want to see, all right, this working, this not working. That's what we do all the time from a business standpoint. When I come here and I trying to make projections for next year, I'm looking at, all right, this is what we're doing. This is what we're currently doing in terms of revenue. This is how I want to build. These are the prospects we have. And as meeting with a sales guy, I say, all right, these are the prospects we have. How much of this you feel close to closing? I compare myself to my past results and so on. So Trinidad and Tobago, the average individual is going to compare what I could have buy month end versus what I could have buy month end last year or year before or 10 years ago. And they're going to be unhappy. Why do you all think, as politicians, I'm putting all the politicians in the same boat, why you think if I am happy with you, I automatically on the other side? If if, 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 if I don't like what if I don't like this budget, I a yellow jersey, no, I a UNC. I if you don't like the budget, it's because your personal standard of living could be going down because the cost of fuel is going up. It cost me 200 and something. Now, I come in from a man, again, comparing myself to myself. The first car I had in must be 1990-something, 98 or something like that. A B12 Nissan. It was costing me a hundred to fill that tank. <laughs> now, it is costing me over $300 to fill. And my car now, not much bigger than a Nissan B12. I didn't want to make it sound like if I sham for could you and upgrade up the seat. I drive in a small car. And I'm driving a Civic. Let me put it out there. So a Civic to a B12. I don't know how much bigger the engine is. Or I don't know more them thing. But it costs them a tree something. So, and, 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 no, no tree a little bit. I've seen plenty of people talk about this. What it was costing them last week versus this week. People bong to be upset. So why would you... Okay, so if you're saying we have to secure ourselves for generations to come. Cool. Let me, let me put that in context too. Not to say that... Okay, I know it will be hard and we understand, we empathize, we put in some things in place for people. We did the um, income tax reduction, uh, the, the increase of the taxable threshold. I forget what it's called that. So now instead of 6000 being tax-free, 7500 So once you're working for $7,500 or less a month alone, you will um, you will not pay taxes. And if you work for more than that, your first 7500 per month wouldn't get taxed. But let me go on. She said... Uh, she faced backlash on social media and also from the UNC and the MSJ. Newsday tried to call her, but the calls went unanswered. However, the opening of the Marvel Community Center, Kujo said she was so happy to see so many members of the media were present. She right, because they would not come if it didn't matter. She said, you started our work yesterday and you came to get some more. Thank you for coming. I hope you report what I said and not cherry pick and make a bacchanal. 
She repeated some of her statements from Wednesday and urged the public to consider the youth. She said the government made no apologies for some of the decisions it needs to make now to ensure a better life for generations. Like, why would you say that? Forget your politician. You're supposed to say nice things. Referring to her comments on Wednesday, she said that bring out the media to hear what I had to say today. This is what I said yesterday and I'm saying it again. She said she was fourth of eight children of parents who were laborers and earned $2,000 a month. Oh my God. I came from humble beginnings. No matter how they tried to make me out to be Marie, to be a Marie Antoinette. Marie Antoinette was the queen of France who supposedly said of the starving poor, let them eat cake. And I was guillotined. And was guillotined in, 1970, in 1793. I believe Marie Antoinette was, um, they say, well, we can't even afford bread. And she said, let them eat cake. But I, I'm not sure if the current sitting MPs, including Shamfa Kujos, realizing how close they get to that. I mean, understood. We have to sacrifice for future generations. But also understand that guys are a real hard sacrifice to make. And I will get to Roger Hussain, an economist, who for me breaks down why the sacrifice is so hard to make and why we should not be in a position to have to make it in the first place. But um, let me get to Brian Manning. <laughs> Minister, of, uh, This is from The Guardian by Curtis Williams. Minister of the Ministry of Finance, Brian Manning, is calling for entity fuel subsidy on premium gas, saying if your vehicle needs premium, you should be able to afford it. In his contribution to the parliamentary debate in 2023 in the lower house on Friday, Manning said the fuel subsidy was a regressive measure that assists the wealthy more than it does the poor. It is my view, Mr. Speaker, that the subsidy on premium fuel should be removed completely. Anyone driving a vehicle that requires premium fuel is driving a luxury vehicle and should have no right to a fuel subsidy for poverty alleviation. And that includes me, Mr. Deputy Speaker. In other words, he driving a car that need a uh, premium. He went on to say, if you have 50% subsidy on fuel, if you are driving a motor vehicle that costs you $100 to fill your tank, it means that the state will be paying $0.50 cents on, well, $50. Uh, if you are driving a motor vehicle, a luxury vehicle, perhaps that it costs $500 to fill the tank, the state will be paying $250 on your behalf. No, I agree with the man. The man making a valid point. So the point is this. My car, and I would like to say that when I look in for a car, one of the first questions I ask, only taking super in this car? <laughs> because I cannot afford no car that burning premium gas. I cannot pay for premium gas. Not me. I, 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 I can't afford it. And my attitude to that might have changed from living in Jamaica. Because let me tell you something. When the gas price, when the world gas price changing over there, the gas, the gas you pay for last week could be a different price this week. You understand what I'm saying? So when, when I was there, I was conscious of which gas station I was going to with the price of the gallon of gas. As Trinidadians, we don't know nothing about that. We just pull up by any gas station, Unipet, the NPB pull up anywhere and we full gas. So what he's saying is, so I I, I, I rather ask, I, I want a nice car, yes, I would like to drive something nice and working, waiting, shutting down all the time, but it had to have, it had to have super... I cannot buy premium, according to Brian Manning. So this is the thing. If it costing me, let's say, $300 to fill my tank, and premium would cost me $500 to fill the tank, by nature, having a subsidy across the board, as he used the example of 50%, mean that every time I fill my tank with gas, the state pays $150 on my behalf. And for the man who tank taking $500 to fill, every time he fill his tank, 
the state is paying $250 on his behalf. I want to understand what a subsidy really is. A subsidy is a state paying a portion of something for you so that it eases up the price that you pay or what you pay out of pocket. It does not change the price of the item itself. So, for instance, whatever it costs per person to sail to Tobago, the state pays a subsidy that maintains that cost, at least for up to for the longest while, at $50. <laughs> $50 for uh, a sailing. I believe it was 50 I think they moved it to 75 now and they, uh, the elderly had to pay $25 or whatever it might be. So it's not to say that it, the cost of operating the vessel to go there is $50 a person. It means that if the cost is $300 a person, it means the state pays $250. Let me make something else clear. When I say the state, the state is not a separate entity from me and you. It is our tax dollars. Everything that we make over 7500 that is tax, all the profit we make as corporations, everything we buy that have a sales tax like VAT attached to it, all those taxes, the motor vehicle, everything you pay in taxes goes into this coffers called the state. So that is our money. So the, while you might think it's the government and the wicked and they only gave me 4%, you see that collective money they gave me 4% from? That is ours. If we continue to give $250 per tank of gas to people who choose to buy a premium vehicle that needs premium gas, when there are vehicles available that could use super, it's nothing wrong with the choice. If, if you choose to do that with our money, then that's fine. And if you're comfortable doing that with our money, that is fine. But when we do that $250 at a time, understand that that is $250 that could be used towards increasingly 4% to 10%. I, I, I'm not sure if people always understand that or see it this way. I think we see tax as a nuisance and a, a, a necessary evil. And once we pay it and we could afford a different life, we kind of give it up to subsidize rolling money now. You understand? I, I do understand it. It is still there for, for us. These are people employed by us and put there by us, so including Brian Manning. I was glad that he said himself. It might have sung a kind of way when he said it. But he was trying to make the, the, the point that Brian Manning might be working for $30,000, a month at minimum as a, as a MP. What's, what's, what's the salary of an MP these days? Prime Minister might be upwards of $60,000 a month. We have uh, business people, for instance, who might be making hundreds of thousands of dollars a month. Uh, I remember hearing Russell Latapy, when he was a national coach, <laughs> was making $450,000 a month. Understand that when Russell Latapy buys a vehicle and that car is using premium gas, we are paying a part of the gas bill for a man who is making $450,000 a month. <laughs> A man who ain't care what gas costs. I had Dwight York, for instance. I can't remember if it was a book I read it or where I had seen it. But Dwight York was saying, or somebody was saying of Dwight York, that he don't like to carry change, right? <laughs> no, I don't like to carry change neither, right? You see all them sort of shilling and thing in my pocket. I just leave them thing. I had them thing somewhere home. When Zachary, Christmas time, he could take that and buy gifts to that or whatever. He could cash in there. I, but I didn't realize that when he was playing for Manchester United, the pound was a coin. The, 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 the pound that worth 13 or one of the dollars is <laughs> a coin. So they say when he go and he pull out paper money and he give him back coins, he used to tell them keep all them coin, which means there could be eight pounds they're giving him back. And he's like, no, 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 I ain't carrying no coin. This man, <laughs> we are paying a portion of his gas bill for what? 
we like to sit okay and talk about the one percent and the one percent and then for that money and who we paying part of these people gas bill every time anthony sabgat or about them last week whichever sabgat i don't call nobody who don't pass and go on you know. whoever is the wealthy people Every time they buy gas, whether it's for them and their luxury vehicle or for their company vehicles or for the fleet that they're using to bring out goods for us where the price increases, we pay in a portion of that bill. We, the taxpayers. So we had to start collectively as a citizenry, look at that differently and look at the decisions that are being made. You might find that brand manning or shampoo could you know, the way they talk sometimes is getting, you know, I, I understand. But I don't think they're wrong at all. And I, I, again, I will get to Roger Hussein on why the idea. Because we get used to the subsidy. And I think to myself, right? If you're making real money, we could do this thing in the reverse order. You know? If the country is making a lot of money through oil and gas, and the average citizen is experiencing some kind of boom, that might not be the best time to give them any subsidies on anything because people live in a lifestyle that they could afford to pay for premium gas or to come on the boat from Trinidad to the big one. So, and if we had done a lot less of that or none of that at all and subsidizing things, let people tr- pay the true economic cost of what is there. And then when you face the slump, like what we're facing now, we'd have had enough money saved and invested to subsidize now. So when people see in hard times, the cost of gas to me, could be reduced by a subsidy as an interim measure, as a short-term measure, until we could figure out how the economy will turn around. But we make decisions from a political standpoint. We we tell people, hey, we, we in power, hey, Roman Roti, we go pay half of your gas bill, and then all of we run and vote, and then all of a sudden they're paying half the gas bill, and you cannot figure out how to stop it at all. Nobody can figure out how to stop, because a runaway horse is like giving a child $5,000 a month. And now we, when you can't stop it, you're wondering why people don't cut back and why you sacrifice and you shouldn't get premium. Because when Brian Manning says this, what the population hears is, also, oh, you alone want to drive nice car because my car driving premium, I must pay. And that is what people hear when they say that. All right, Brian. But let's, let's, let me save the best for last, right? <laughs> I just I just wait. I just wait to hear. This is, this is, I live in Shogunas, right? But I'm originally from a beautiful place by the name of St. James. And I had a beautiful MP there for many, many years who could not be moved for more reasons than one by the name of Marlene McDonald, right? But she, we all know the story with her. So to replace her, I heard names like Cleopatra Borrell and so on, Wendell Stevens. So several names were called to replace her in Port of Spain South, where I am originally from. But those were not successful. But the person who was successful is the voice you're about to hear by the great Keith Scotland. And this is his response. Again, a similar, along similar lines as what Champa Kudra was saying in terms of making sacrifice. I wanted to hear what he's saying well from here. Yes. Huh? Madam Speaker, uh-huh. I still have, I still have uh-huh. a coal pot, you know, where I put my coals and I roast my breadfruit. <laughs> so if you don't have that, go back until such time as you can afford the gas. <laughs> But don't come and blame you not having gas on the government. <laughs> Roast much bad fruit. <laughs> hey, why? I don't understand. I don't understand. Why? Why would you say that? What, 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 what are you getting out of saying that? What, what, what's your outcome? What's your end game? And you see, the way they talk, I don't blame it on the government. 
Don't blame me. I, I still have a thing with a roast bread throat. I have a cold pot. He's like, what? What are you talking about? Isn't that all you're so far removed? Maybe, again, I'm going back to my partner, JP. My partner, one is saying, just alternate your vote. Vote PNM one time, UNC the next time. You must vote them out so that they see what it's like on the outside. But because, like, all these other outriders and um, police escort and things like it get into this, what are you talking about? Who cares about your coal pot or your lion breadfruit? <laughs> roasting breadfruit. you roasting breadfruit for fun. <laughs> you you roasting breadfruit when it's a nice time and you bring a churn here, churn. And you bring them and you say, this is what we used to do a long time. I don't know how this talk. This is what you used to do long ago and some bad bad felt and it was ass with salt and it sounds bad for us. Do you talk more for you what are you trying to tell the population to go and use a coal pot out of necessity? Because I cannot afford that. You in charge of the country and you comfortable coming and tell people. <laughs> You comfortable coming and tell people, well, listen, now that's your ship gas expensive like hell. No, but hey, world scenarios is what they are. Russia take over three quarter, Ukraine or a quarter, Ukraine or whatever it is, they take over the other day and gas price and we can't afford gas no more. So, you know, roast your breadfruit, get your coal pot and roast your breadfruit. Oh, don't government. <laughs> I don't know. Boy. This is our know, gracious MP for Port of Spain, so talking like this, you know what I mean? And you know, he will say that we cherry picking, but I want to tell him and Shamfa that listen, you are living. You chose to be in government. You went up. All you do screening. All you follow people around the PNM and walk behind them for years before they could get all the opportunity to come in power. All you choose to be there in a time where cherry picking is enormous. So watch what all they saying. Cherry picking is the way it's going. You had to take a piece of what people say. Nobody wants to hear your whole speech for no three hours. Full of nothingness. I want to. I, I don't want to stray too much, yeah, but I saw Paolo Kernahan have a TikTok page talking about little help to be on camera. So I followed for little pointers to see how I could be better on camera and stuff. And one of the things he was saying is talking about filler words like 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 you say like a senior economist and like I went on. You, you don't you don't look at his page. He does a much better job at it than me, right? And it is. Like hearing myself talk, I'm trying to see, okay, how do I re- reduce these things? And one of the things he was saying is that the Madam Speaker term that politicians use all the time is just filler. And no matter how many times he talks about getting rid of your ah uh, and ah uh, and like, you know one of the key things he say? Be prepared. So he say when politicians come in there and say, Madam Speaker, this Madam Speaker, Madam Speaker, he say it shows that they're not prepared and they did not rehearse what they had to say. They didn't prepare well enough. So nobody is listening to all your speech for no four hours full of filler. We're going to take the two minutes where you say, Madam Speaker, I have a cold pot. If you ever find yourself saying nine parliaments, you should leave. But anyway, I want to get to the news day by Ryan Hamilton. Headline says, Economists, years of government assistance leave Trinis too spoilt. Now, full disclosure, Roger Hussein was one of my lecturers in economics in UE, in Lockjack, when I was in uh, doing my master's, right? And many economics teachers, uh, like Mr. Ram Singh, uh, uh, Howard Elder. Is it Howard Elder? Yeah, Elder's classes was. And I, I love economics as a study. I like it as a. As an academic study, I, I enjoy it. I lecture in economics whenever I can as well. And a big part of my joy or love for economics comes from Roger Hussein's classes, where he used to break down a lot of these things, particularly macroeconomic uh, concepts, uh, dealing with the whole society and governance and so on, right? I In his class, it was not 
very political. It was it was based on sound economic theory. And he was very clear, like, what is theory? What is his opinion? And so on. I, li- I like him as a lecturer a lot. So the article says, three senior economists said on Thursday that decades of subsidies, transfers, and other forms of government assistance to the tune of tens of billions of dollars have made citizens spoiled. So he's saying that tens of billions of dollars over decades have made us spoiled. Keep in mind that those are tens of billions of dollars that could have been saved at yesterday's value. You could imagine what that would be worth today, right? From 62 to today. 60 years worth of that. This view comes from this view comes three days after the Minister of Finance called members announced in the budget a further cut on subsidies in the price of fuel and consequent increase in price of premium and super gasoline, each by a dollar per liter and 50 cents per liter for diesel. Economists Dr. Dave Siratan, Dr. Darren Conrad, and Dr. Marley Nat spoke during a post-budget virtual forum hosted by the Department of Economics in the Faculty of Science, Social Science, or in UE. All agreed that after years of support from successive governments, citizens are now facing, if only in part, the real cost of many commodities. So the reality is this, and this is why I said when whenever I did the podcast after the budget. It's not a bad budget. It puts us in a position where we will be facing harder times. But I remember a guy by the name of Arthur Napoleon Raymond Robinson who made some very, very difficult decisions at the time. As a child, I didn't understand when people was protesting and saying they were the cola back. I didn't I thought cola was to drink. Me didn't know what them things was. But he made those changes and... Well, literally, I guess shot in the foot, you know what I mean? <laughs> for, for other reasons. But he was not a liked person. But many, many years after his time and maybe even after his passing, he is lauded as one of the people who would have saved Trinidad and Tobago from an economic standpoint because of the tough decisions that he had made. We when we when other people make tough decisions on our behalf, it's harder for us to swallow. But we all we do it also if you if if you're God forbid you, you lose part of your income or you lose your job. You're going to have to make tough decisions as to what happened in your household at that point in time. You ain't going to be happy, but you will make the, the decisions, right? But he goes on to say, in some countries with less resources available, there's a different mindset altogether. People are able to make tough decisions and implement some of these measures, but it doesn't fly here because we've become, for want of a better word, spoiled over the years. There's a dependency syndrome. Arts agreed, saying what has happened to us for 60 years is that successive governments have created a dependency syndrome. I think in our country and its citizens, I think our country and its citizens need to understand what constitutes TNT's wealth. It is incumbent on us as a department to help with that conversation in terms of educating people. So when budget day happens, people have a better platform in which they would be able to receive the information and have some kind of understanding of what's happening in the country. I honestly believe that most people don't. Most people see it as the government being wicked or the government having a set of money that they're hiding. Or people genuinely think like if the politicians take a pay cut, they could pay 13% rather than 4% when those figures... anyway. Citroën said in past years, TNT has experienced super normal profits from energy sales and revenues, but times have changed and revenue and production are not what they used to be. So take this in, right? Imagine you were selling something. You used to sell that thing for $100 and that thing now is selling for $40 at best. Imagine you used to make a million of them things to sell for $100 and you're sweet. Imagine now you could only make a hundred thousand of them things. You cannot make as much as you used to make and the thing selling for less. This is the position we're in as an economy. This was the position that they said we'd have been in 
back in 2005, 2006, when I was doing my master's, this was a hot conversation in academic circles that production of oil is going to fall off somewhere near 2020. And we could never predict the price of oil well, right? There's never a good predictor. But if the production going to fall off drastically, meaning we're running out of oil and gas, it doesn't matter what it sells at, our revenue will fall, right? They just say price by quantity equals total revenue. So if the price of a barrel of oil is even 500, but we could only make 10 barrel, our revenue falling off significantly. I hope, I hope people are getting where I'm coming from. So those those times may come again, but right now we are not in that position. And just to get back to that too, that is what the conversation, why the conversation is so much around diversifying the economy. Because we had back then 15 years to prepare another industry that could replace some of that oil and gas revenue. Whether the revenue shortfall is based on a price fall or a production fall. And that is why... There was a guy who was trying to see if he could get into the aluminum smelting and so on. If, I don't know if you remember that, but it was not well received. I know, neither here nor there or not, right? It was just one idea. I, I, I think that we put all our eggs in one basket in that idea. The idea didn't work. And we seem to have not put anything else in place since way back then to say, all right, well, this is the industry that we will use to replace it. But the problem with the f- fuel subsidy is, not that, is that it is not sustainable in the long term, meaning... That while people vex now and the opposition claiming, blah, 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 blah. if you vote the opposition back in next time, it does not matter who in power. Somebody had to remove that oil subsidy, that uh, gas subsidy. They, they sh- I agree with Brian Manning as well. There should be no subsidy. Well, let, me, let, me, let me talk about why I'll be good them a little longer too. One of the issues with subsidizing something across the board is that it helps the wealthy more than it helps the poor. Let me give you an example, right? I remember going into UE when there was no subsidized fees for students, right? Your parents had to pay a whole fee. Thankfully, I was in a position where TSTT could have paid my scholarship thing because there's something for employees, children, where TSTT used to pay my tuition. And they do little nice things for me, like employment during the summer too, so I had enough money to pay for my books and so on, you know what I mean? So, other than... Uh, avenue like that where you have some sort of scholarship you had to pay out of pocket ask any student now if their parent or oh, from my time how their parents pay for their schooling or how they work and pay for their own schooling there was no assistance there was no uh, not not card blush like that my second year in UE they had introduced what is gate now but started off as dollar for dollar where they basically pay in half. It's a 50% subsidy. Whatever you pay, we will match it, regardless of what kind of degree you're going to do. Needless to tell you, the population of UE skyrocketed because now many more people could afford to go to UE and the university making more, more money because keep in mind that the university getting their full tuition for every student, right? They're collecting their full money. It's just that the government paying half and I paying half. What happened over time is that with the amount of demand that the subsidy placed for most university places. What do you think happened to the price of a degree over time? The demand pushed up the price. So your people who would have started in my time would have paid significantly less than people who would have paid a year uh, or five years down the road. To the point where, let's assume I was paying $20,000 a year. I really can't remember the figures. Eh? And uh, let me just assume I get dollar for dollar. So I'm paying 10 the government paying 10 if I had to pay it myself, I would have had to pay 20, right? But funny how demand and supply is working. <laughs> the thing about it is when you look at the prices of tuition, people end up paying 20000 for the half. 
because the the price went up from twenty to almost forty. So what you would pay if, if the, without the subsidy is what you end up paying out of pocket anyway. But but that's beside the point. One of the biggest issues, well, beside the fact that in year two in UE, it was so much people came in, you couldn't find a seat in class. We had to sit on the ground on day one in some classes. When you go in the toilet, if you use a man, your belly is work better. You go in the morning because by afternoon it have no toilet paper and no toilet in you because the place was so overpopulated. It took time for them to catch up with the demand. For people who went in my time, it had C Hall, Milner Hall, and T Hall. That was it. It had some apartments around campus, some popular places. I used to live at a place named Villas. That had some. Po- Listen, the boom of apartments that went up around UE at that time. So many apartments came up for people to live. Where most of the living, or the people who I know, were sharing apartments. So it's an apartment, it's like a house with three bedrooms, and one so one. And it's a girl, Swazette, Swazette in one room, Swazette next one, Josette in the next room, and the next one. That's how, that's how we used to live on, on campus until it, it, it boomed so much that now people have their own quarters and their own apartments or their own. And one of the one of the reasons that that happens is because the wealthy in the society can afford to pay the twenty thousand dollars to send the children to school and probably pay for all the books, all the tuition. They don't have to go and get no job on campus to do that, and they could probably buy their child a nice car, buy them nice clothes, buy them a good computer, high speed internet. Them days we had dial up, eh? and they buy all these things to the people. Whereas the poorest people, even if you pay the tuition, they still might not be able to go to UE because I don't have enough money to travel. I don't have enough money to live there. I don't have enough money for the books. I can't buy food every day and so on. So you can't go. So any any subsidy that is implemented across the board for everybody at the same level tends to help the rich more than it helps the poor. By far, it tends to create a bigger gap between the rich and the poor, especially for things like education that would be seen as critical to the progress of the poorer people. You know what I mean? If if you don't have any hope, education in Trinidad, because you get a good education, you, 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 could, you could start seeing your way out of poverty. So a better strategy would be to identify the people who really cannot pay and distribute the income, distribute that tax dollar towards the people who can't pay so that they are not disadvantaged by poverty. But we like these across the board subsidies, and this is what these economists talking about in this article. Yeah, but Malinat is looking bad at all. Malinat. Um, um, no, this is this is what happened in this article. They're talking about it, and we get so dependent on the subsidies that even the people who have money who could afford it, they don't want to lose that because instead of me, let's assume or, or Gates had when Gates was implemented, it moved from dollar for dollar, so we will pay everything. So if I had a trust fund, I had money put down for my children education, and then the government decided to pay in everything, I take in it, right? And the government paid. What do I do with that tuition money now? I, I increase my standard of living even more. We could travel. We could do different things. I could give you a different type of education. Everything named a gap here. I could tell you, listen, take a year off and travel all over the world, and then you'll come back and you do your master's on the, um, on the dime of the government of Trinidad and Tobago. It's beautiful. Uh... Sitaran went on to say, or Sitaran, sorry, if you had been looking at what the minister has been doing over a period of time, he has consistently scaled back the fuel subsidy. I believe any minister of finance finding himself in the position he did prior to 2022 would have done the same thing. So sometimes, you see, some of these articles, they're not as glamorous as when Shamfa say, I ain't say this and I ain't say, but sometimes we must read these articles too, you know, because I mean, I don't want to bore you to death here with this, but is, is what, what they're talking about here is critical. And it's a part of the reason that 
this adjustment period is going to be so hard. And especially with that, I agree with her where she says they have a job to do to start helping people understand these things. Because the more people understand these things, is the less they will um the less blindsided they are and unprepared for things like this, and the more informed they could be in the commentary on this. So um I, I keep saying Roger Hosein, but apparently he wasn't on this panel at all. It's just he was at the thing. I just saw his picture. So apologies for that. I saw his picture at the beginning. I thought he was talking about it. But this is not much different than what he was teaching in economics with solid theory to back it. So that's where we are with the budgets. I'm hoping that people, the, the marches will continue. I don't think those marches are going to do anything to reduce the price of gas. The price of gas is the price of gas. With Trinidad and Tobago government not in control in any way of what the price of gas would be. What they're in control of is how much they spend on gas. And I can tell you this. There are people in this country who genuinely wouldn't be able to afford to pay for gas and so on. Or who may, according to Scotland, how to use a coal pot as necessity. We should take all the money that we was going to put towards helping people pay for gas that they could afford. Like like Malatopi or Brian Manning or those people. And take that money and redirect it to help people who genuinely in poverty or close to poverty to find ways to get out of poverty it is it will lead to a much better society but as human beings sometimes we're not very good at long-term thinking sometimes we we, we think so much in the short term that we we can't get over it you know our cultural man you know you see what i said a heavy budget talk that make me forget last week that snaky the great heaven charles is now the Jubilee Monarch of Trinidad and Tobago. I salute to Snake. You know, Snake is a man around all the time. Snake is one of the most distinct voices in Calypso. And he's a man consistently coming good. So salute again to uh, Aaron Duncan, who would have come second, I believe, and Karen Ashe, who came third. But Snake is coming to Calypso. The Calypso was nice. Snake is what you need again, Trinbago. I read it from this Michael Mondesi, of course, in the Express. Salute to Michael Mondesi every time. Snake is what you need again, uh, Trinbago. An impassioned call for nationals to appreciate the rich history and national resources of Trinidad and Tobago. Bested a loaded field of Calypsonian, uh, Calypso heavyweights to take the once in a decade title and $200,000 cash prize on Sunday night in the, Grand Sparks, in the Grandstand in the Queen's Park Savannah in Port of Spain. Salute to, to Snakey. And I know Snakey was facing some adversity in life. I know he had a lot going on that wasn't running for him and he, he, he was heard her saying, he was asking God to just give him a song. Give him a song for that Trinidad and Tobago could love. And he come up with one, I want to play a little piece of it for you. Well, maybe a lot of piece of it for you. Snakey, what you need again, Trinbago. Think of this song in the context of our budget. Central and Southern Range and say this is La Trinity, this is
British colonial rule. Many fought for us like Mr. Butler, Dr. Williams in 62. You have to know where you came from in order to shape your destination. So tell me what you need again to know your worth and your significance on planet
Snakey, and we want to wish Snakey many, many more $200,000 and many more competition wins. Now, as we're celebrating people, I have an Uber driver to talk about it, eh? but as we're celebrating people, let me celebrate all you Trinidad people one time now. I see something here saying, Ellie Move pays off for Casey Phillips with production on Ciara's single. Salute to Casey Phillips, there's Precision Productions, right? You're supposed to know some songs from Precision, but... Casey Phillips moved to Los Angeles to be to elevate his business and accomplishments. The owner and founder of Precision Productions, he experienced success in the soca world for years, producing soca manak and roadmatch winners in Trinidad, Tobago, and across the region. His catalog included hits such as Cheers to Life, Marshall Montano's Ministry of Road, and Fog, and so on. Now Phillips, who has worked with the likes of Shaka Khan and Tony Braxton, can add R&B pop star Ciara to his list of musical achievements. Phillips produced a number of songs on Ciara's uh, upcoming album, which will be published under her Beauty Marks label, Uptown Republic Records. The second release from that album dropped today, the song Better Thanks, is, collabor- is a collaboration with Ciara and Summer Walker, Summer Walker and is described as a feel-good R&B anthem. Precision Productions, uh, Teron Thomas from Rock City, Keith Kevo and Delhi Banger. Listen, all you... Um, Casey produced a song with Ciara. <laughs> it's not to say certain words and certain sentences is not for me neither. When I say it, it's songing lame as hell and it's a great thing because he's one of the greatest soca producers in this era of soca, right? He has some of the biggest hits that they have. And as a producer, you know, you had to, you had to make moves because I always complain that some of the newer soca artists, I ain't call them names, but they song a lot like R&B. And when I say R, like the chord structure and the way the songs put together, and they song a lot like R&B. And I don't want to be like Beanie Man, Monty Killer, and them who fighting and saying trap dance all and they trap the dance all and all them kind of things where younger people are do what they do and push the thing in a different direction all the time. And that works, right? What, what I think we need more of is, is, is the, the effort to, while you enhance and what's the word I'm looking for? Like, change where the music is going. Change direction. Push the boundaries, I think, is what I'm trying to say. While you could do that, and while you should do that, we had to find ways to make sure that we stay connected to what exactly we do as Soka and Calypso so that we have an identifiable signature when we're going out on the global stage. And I always feel part of that is for us to continuously try to get to the global phase ourselves, whether it's with Soka music or not. Try things outside of the genre. Like, you couldn't tell me that Bungie Garland would make a great dancehall artist or a great Afrobeats artist. One of the songs I want to play, I'll probably play it next week, is a song, a new song from Fear and Lions. That song is more Afrobeatish than anything else. I, I think Fear and Lions is ideal to produce a whole Afrobeats um, album and be on the level of Burner Boy and these people, you know what I mean? She could be headlining Tobago just like, like Green Burner Boy, quite from Africa. Salute to him. But there's, pushing the boundary doesn't just mean taking soca music and making it more like something else. I think it also means making something completely different from soca. Let your creative side go, and then you come back here with a different energy and a different feel. Like, people didn't like when Fianna would sing the song Raise, right? But I think it was a real good song. It didn't matter if it was soca or what. It was soca. I would say it's a soca song. 
But it pushed the boundaries in a different direction. It take out of it. And she's a great singer. Destra is a great singer. Why not let them go and do R&B, do different genres of music? So that when they come back to the to the Calypso and the Soka, we could appreciate it even more. And just because Casey Phillips did this, I would like to play one of my favorite Casey Phillips productions. Yes. The people call him Benjamin. So the world come through again. Come everybody done wet. We just done wet. We back done wet. We out of breath. We felt in ways and we can't done yet. We can't done yet. We can't done yet. We face done wet. We drip in sweat. We drinks in the air so the place done wet. Call the next drums. Everything done set. The sun not out so we can't done yet. We can't done yet. They say enjoy not doing it again. Like I buy the trainer again. When you say my face wet, my back wet, it's something like that. Trainer, training by. Now, I just want to say before I move on that carnival is better when Benja is in the carnival. <laughs> so look at Casey, Casey Phillips and your achievements abroad. But please, uh, somebody could reach Benja for my little Benja. I know we need him in carnival. The carnival is better when Benja is there. And I don't pay for my costume already you know, on the road. I'm doing physio hard, I'm training on the road. I'm training to look good on the road, eh? So don't look for me when you see my belly looking, banging, and say I was training. I'm training to survive the road, not just to look good on the road. I want to just be able to make the two days. You understand? And I feel I could play a juve too. But the juve would be nicer if Benjai is there. Now, talking about people who went abroad and pushed the boundaries, I have a random story for you, know? <laughs> Because there's an artist by the name of the great Ken Marlon Charles. Well, you know the great Ken Marlon Charles, one of the greatest of all time in soca music. They fight him and they say all kind of thing about him. And people just were saying about pushing the boundaries in soca and, and getting yourself out there. Not just going and do soca abroad, but going and do different genres of music and put yourself out there. It, 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 I don't know how it could do anything but enhance. And KMC was one who had done that. I know he had stepped away from the carnival for a while to work on a deal abroad. And people say all kinds of things. Me and if the deal worked, it didn't work. But I, I salute him all the time for making that step and to, for pushing us out there in places where we could where we might never have been before. You know what I mean? Somebody had to go over the hill and see where it has happened and take the chance. And KMC take that chance. Why am I talking about KMC? This is the most random story ever. So I went in the ATM Saturday, right? I had a bunch of runarounds to make, right? And for some reason, when I go in the ATM, I went the ATM in um, Edinburgh and there's an RBC ATM and a Scotia card and it's saying my, 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 my account not recognized or something like that. So all right, that's strange. I mean, I know Stacey is spent, but I mean, I don't know how she was spent. So I went by the next Scotia was close by. It's about a little plaza close to 
Edinburgh gas station with Delhi wraps or Rapworks or whatever the name. And have a Scotia ATM. Then when I go on in there, you know, usually when you're putting your say right, I put in my pen and all them thing. The check-in savings, all them thing, that's not coming up. The whole screen blank. So I done start to see cards skimming. Because my card gets skimmed at time, you know, so I start to shake up the machine now and rough it up and try to see, well, what is happening with this machine? <laughs> Something ain't working right. I go on back in Shogonas now. I say, all right, let me go back in Shogonas in Londonville and Montrose days have a Scotia ATM. Let me go and try that one and see what happened. The same thing with the check-in saving, nothing coming up. But this time I had entered the amount I wanted to take out already, right? So when I see that thing coming up, I say, boy, this is a waste of time. I never select the accounts. I never get to select the account because it have no the screen blank. I walk out eating and I go on in my car now and I say, well, all right, so like I wasn't supposed to get a piece of cash because my little son had to borrow some money from him when I leave home out to a little money where people give him and thing. Eh? So I want to get this man back in money because he fussy when it comes to money. <laughs> so I go on back in the car now and look into reversal and head home. I see a fella come rushing out the ATM and flagging my dog now. My car done in reverse looking to head out there. Eh? When the man bend down, he say, hey boy, you, you get money? <laughs> I said no. And I'm watching him. He, he do so and he hand me. Good money, you know. I ain't talking about this. There's no small money I take out. You know, good money. Money. Money we could full of few gas tank well, you understand? And the man hand me. When I watch him good, it's the great Ken Marlon Charles. <laughs> it's the most random thing I see. It's KMC. Come and give him back more. I'm so grateful. Because another man could have seen that take. Because I guess when I take back of the car and walk out, when he came in, I didn't even see when he came in the ATM. Because if I'd see him come in the ATM, I would have definitely asked him about an interview for this podcast. But me, I see him, and when he gave me back the money, now I'm so shocked. I know if I'm more shocked that I get back the money, that the money come out without me taking it out, or that his KMC hadn't me back the money. But just in the, in the spirit of the great KMC being one of the most honest soccer artists of all time. I just want to play a little one KMC before I go. Why not? Yes. Hey, young girl, you could really move your way. Come and come down and wind up in the base. Every man on the junction on your case. Every rude boy now looking for a taste. You are the most outstanding girl in your crew. To see if I wait on you Like a red and king dog heart slave true Now I'm behind you, girl, you know what to do Just give me the rough, rough wine Give me the tough, tough wine Yeah Give me the rough, rough wine Give me the tough, tough wine Boy She winding up She winding down She bend it back and then she fling it all around She winding easy Hey, if anybody know KMC, only well, tag him in this for me, you know, because I'm so grateful for him to give him a ball. Tell him thanks for me, no, man. Put your hand on the and bend down on the ground. Tell you sending people crazy in the tongue. Then you push me against a speaker box. Then you start to wind up on the dreadlocks. No to right now, I can't control myself. How I did on you all You know what would be funny? 
If I say all this and then it turns out that it's not KMC, it was KMC, man. And just for the record, right? If you was to see me on the road in Yuma, don't, don't, don't give me no rough wine, no rough of the old man, you know? I mean, I'm sure to survive this carnival. Kind of take it easy on me, you know? Don't rough me up, you know? Hey, hear this now. I only listen to this woman very carefully, right? I just, I'm I, I new to this TikTok thing. I'm not accustomed to it, and I'm brand new, and I'm acting very new when I go on it too. And I see something here that I say I had to bring to Oli. I just want Oli to, I just want Oli to listen to this for me. Hear, hear, hear this. Listen up, all you cheaters. Mm-hmm. If you live in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, right. and you ever need a Lyft or an Uber, and you get in my car, right, right. be forewarned. If you ever pull this kind of shit that this guy pulled today, mm-hmm. you got the same thing coming. Problem more coming. Today I picked up a guy. Right. His wife and his kids walked him out to the to the car, said, I love you, daddy, blah, blah, blah. Uh-oh. So he gets in, he says, hi. He goes, right. I added a stop. I said, I saw that. Right, right. So we go, and we pull up at the stop and this lady comes out and she's got a little bit of luggage like a handbag right. and a, yeah. a tote a small tote small tote she gets in and she's like I am so f- glad you finally got away from your damn wife hmm. okay so then he kisses her and it wasn't a hi how you doing kind of kiss hmm? and so he goes I changed our drop off location I said I saw that Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't know exactly where it was yeah. that they were going at that particular time. I just saw that it had an update. Right, right. So um, they continued to talk and this, that, and the other. And she says, you know, I'm tired of you putting me off. When are you going to leave? Leave. And he said, you know, I've got some things I've got to take care of. You know, mm-hmm. let's talk about this later. Blah, blah, blah. Right. Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Keep in mind, I was about five miles from his house. Good. Good. So understand something. This mm-hmm. is my car. I work for myself. I am an independent contractor. If I choose to end your ride, mm-hmm. it's my choice. Uber's not going to fire me. Mm-hmm. Uber's not going to ban me. Uber's not going to get rid of me. That's the end. If you are doing something crappy in my car, I have the right to handle it however I see fit. And it's end. And you're right. Well, he, things didn't turn out so well for him. Mm-hmm. I took him back to his house. I drove up. And made him and her get out of my car at his home. Um, here we're going on, right? Um, TT rideshare drivers. Okay, good. I'm glad we can understand that. I'm glad we see night eye, right? So, in other news, Dwight York and Russell Latapi have won their first trophy in Australia. Salute to these guys. Salute to these guys, Dwight York and Russell Latapi. Let me read this real quick and then we could get out of here, right? Head coach Dwight York and assistant coach Russell Latapi have led Makata FC to their first piece of silverware in the club's history after defeating Sydney United 2-0 in the 2022 Australia Cup. Salute to my guys, Dwight York and Russell Latapi out there doing their thing, putting themselves there, there on top. I want to salute to Jamaica Talawas as well. Jamaica Talawas went through and win. Win me CPL this year. TKR come dead last. I guess we had to regroup and come again. This is not a good look. And, boy, listen. I don't know what to say about Guyana Amazon Warriors. I don't know. One of the best experiences I ever had is playing music, uh, play, watching cricket in Guyana. It's one, of, it's one of the best experiences I ever had in that stadium. I think we, I saw Jamaica play Guyana and I saw Trinidad play Guyana over there. So look at my boy Robbie who is Guyanese to the bone but support Jamaica Talawas for some reason. But I don't know what it is about Guyana Amazon Warriors that making them reach. Whether they play good, they play bad, they reach the final, they reach the semi-final. These fellas just can't seem to pull off a win no matter how well they play. 
And I have a backing Ghana, you know. From now on, I'm backing Tikiya no more. Backing Ghana. It's time for Ghana to get a win. I think the countries that, the only countries that didn't win CPL yet, and they don't have much, is Guyana and St. Lucia. St. Kitts win last year. Trinidad win a few. Barbados win a few. You now Jamaica win a few. And Barbados still left out in the cold. So, salute to the Talawas. All they do good. I just want to say, no matter what, no matter how hateful I want to say salute to Man City. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I don't know where Man City find this man child that just going hat trick every week. And for some reason, my fantasy team, I insist on still captaining Salah. And Liverpool forget how to play football. Salah forget how to score. But I've never seen anything like this. I don't know. I ain't the biggest football fan they ever had. But I've never seen a striker as dominant as this little man child they call Haaland. You know what I mean? I want to be a little Trinidadian roots. You know what Trinidadian roots? You know Trinidadian man was over which party from another little, you know what I mean? Nobody, you know what I mean? Nothing. Anyway, I'm getting out of here. I am, I, I, so you're back to my Tuesday mornings, right? I'm back on Tuesday morning. Again, remember to follow subscribe whatever you call it i'm looking for youtube subscribers desperately i try to get just just 200 you could deal with the rest when i pass that point right but in the spirit of getting my money back this weekend in just after the budget where a thousand dollars is not what it used to be a thousand dollars is hard to come by i just want to play one more kmc before we get out of here salute it For your love, my heart is aching, 
hanging out here. No, I'm going to talk to all you next week. Well, have a good week. Have a productive week. Everybody stay safe. Oh no, only talk and only hardship and thing. Just remember that you're living in a beautiful place, Trinidad and Tobago. Forget all the politicians, all the peacock and them thing. This place nice bad. Because a man could take your money out of the ATM and come and find your car and ask you and give you back your money. It's still a nice place and it could be nice unless we nice. So let have a good week. I will talk to all you next week. Bye.